Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Program. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal program. You know, one of the great things about having this program is that you sit back and you see certain people in life, you watch them on TV, and then you get the opportunity to have a conversation with them. And that's how I feel with the next person that we're going to have a talk with, and that's Sage Steele. Sage Steele is one of the country's most popular and respected broadcasters. Most recently, she was a fixture at ESPN from 2007 to 2023, 16 years, hosting the network's flagship show, Sports Center. Throughout the years, Steele has hosted a variety of shows and countless live events, including Sports Center's coverage of the Super Bowl, the Masters, the NBA Finals, the World Series, and several other national and international sporting events. As one of ESPN's longest tenured anchors, Steele was also the lead host of the network's NBA coverage, hosting NBA Countdown on ESPN and ABC from 2013 to 2017 before returning to her sports center roots. And I am honored to be joined by Ms. Sage Steele. Sage, how are you doing? I am great now that I finally get to talk to you. I guess we're not officially meeting because it's not in person, but I'll take it. I've you know, followed you and looked up to you for a very long time. Yeah. So this is cool for me. You're very kind. We, we will make that happen. We will make an in-person meeting happen as well. Please. So, you know, you're an Indiana University Hoosier. When did you get, of course, being at Indiana University, but when did you get the, the sports bug? I mean, what inspired you to want to do this and make this a career? Very long time ago, when I was 11 years old, that's when wow. I announced to my parents that I wanted to be a sportscaster. And I, I played sports, all sports growing up, but you know, I knew at a young age, I wasn't probably going to be able to do anything much past high school. <laughs> and, um, and I come from a very athletic family with my dad and I had brothers who played college hoops, but my dad played football at Army. Um, oh, go Army, beat Navy. Go Army, beat Navy always. But he 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 played back in the day. His first year was 1966, and that's wow. he actually broke the color barrier. The first yeah. black man to ever play varsity football at West Point, and went on to be an All American and East West Shrine Game uh, participant. Um, drafted in the NFL by the Detroit Lions, so he did it all. And I always felt that and what he gained as an athlete and as a, a teammate which is kind of how he raised us it's about your team yeah but i felt it from a young age i just i loved what i saw sports bring to people and it really brought people together in my mind and still does where we can put everything aside for a couple of hours on a sunday and come together and cheer mm -hmm. and i i love that and i wanted to also know what made athletes tick like how how are they great at the most important times i've been fascinated by by their stories and wanted to tell stories. So how many Army-Navy games have you been able to attend? You know, I only did one when I was a little 
kid because and my dad actually we went back to West Point in 1974 when I was two and he was one of the plebe freshmen uh, the the uh, for people who don't know right plebe yeah, the freshmen right. uh, coaches uh, for four years there at Army and so I went to a couple when he was coaching but I was so little I didn't know or yeah. remember or appreciate it for sure and I've been to several over the last few years going with my dad and we will you know he'll, I'll make him pull out his Letterman's jacket and wear it on the field and it still fits him. He That's looks awesome. good for 77. Yeah. So it's been awesome. I've been able to take my kids as well. Mm -hmm. And I wanted them to experience that. But it's uh, the best part, Colonel West, is when we're on the field pregame for the march on and when the cadets march on and my dad comes to attention again. And then yep. he was in um, he was his unit, I guess he was he was C4, Charlie four. Yep. So when they come marching by, he starts to chant and do all the cheers and, you know, <laughs> grunting. And I was like, oh, boy. He's going back 50 plus years. It's it's awesome for me to see as his daughter. Well, it's it's tradition is a beautiful thing. And it's a great thing to pass on in our respective families. And I think that that's one of the things that we have to restore is that traditional family sense and traditions within our families, things that we can pass on to those subsequent generations. I think that's incredibly important. So when you come out of Indiana University, I mean, did you start off locally with some sports stations or what, what was the launch pad for you? It was uh, WSBT-TV, the CVS affiliate in South Bend, Indiana. Oh, wow. Um, and I got there by a mentor of mine at IU doing asking one of his former fraternity brothers for a favor to hire a young woman that he thought had some potential, if nothing else, was a hard worker and a good kid. And so it, it's a, a true testament to you never know who you meet. I met this man um, while waiting tables to make ends meet in college and took the time to speak to him. And he was probably in his seventies then. So he was an older gentleman and I was, you know, 21, 20 years old. And, and I just took time to talk to him and he returned that times a thousand and helped me out to the point that it helped me get my first job in TV. And it was such a blessing. I wasn't doing sports then, even though that was what my goal was. Um, I was just excited to get my foot in the door and, and do some some a little bit of work on TV, behind the scenes stuff first, editing and writing and producing and shooting stuff. I was taking those 40 pound cameras out on my yeah. shoulder and shooting stuff. And then finally, um, a year and a half later, got an offer back at a at the CBS in Indianapolis for my first real sports job. And, and it was on. It was on. So what is the most exciting moment? I mean, you've had so many. But what is the most memorable, exciting moment, a sporting event that comes to mind for you? I would say there was a really cool moment that I had, and I, I think it was the 2015 NBA Finals. Uh, is, was that LeBron's first year back in Cleveland, I think? Might have been. Um, so 15 or 16, whichever year it was, but it was nuts. And we were at the queue, Quicken Loans Arena, mm -hmm. and it was about... 90 seconds before tip-off of game three would have been the first game back in Cleveland because the first two were in Golden State. Game three of of the NBA Finals, and it was NBA Countdown that I was hosting, and it was on ABC. And I remember I had um, Jalen Rose and Doug Collins to my left, and Dwayne Wade was on my right. He had come up to do some analysis for us. And I remember just looking around and being in awe. I'd been in the position before, but something about how nuts it was in Cleveland because of LeBron's return. Yeah. And there's 20,000 people because our, our set was right in the middle of all the fans and our, there's 20,000 people around us. I couldn't hear myself think. 
all of a sudden my mind went blank. I didn't know what I was going to say on live international TV, 90 seconds from then. And I just got nervous and I took a really deep breath and I just reminded myself that I, I, I had done what it had taken to, to get to this point and mm -hmm. I could do it and to have faith in myself, even though, you know, there's no teleprompter, you're winging it. Yeah. And I, I just told myself to smell the roses. And th I thought back on that little 11 year old girl who was really shy and had this crazy dream that no little girls really had in the early to mid 1980s, that's for sure. Um, and I had done it and I was doing it at a level higher than I ever imagined. So I'll never forget that moment of really appreciating where I was, despite being really nervous um, and scared. Yeah. <laughs> and I just looked around and I and I thanked God and my family for that moment. Well, that's what our country is all about, and that's what men like your dad, my dad, who served in World War II, myself, my nephew. That's what we we fought for so that we all have an equality of opportunity that we can live out our dreams and we can reflect in that moment like you did. And it is very awesome. and It is very awe inspiring. And then you just have to take that deep breath and realize, you know, what you have accomplished and what you have achieved and the impact that you're going to have on so many people that are watching you in that moment in space and time. So what was it that got you from Indianapolis, Indiana to ESPN up there in Connecticut? A lot of ups and downs, a lot of um, awesome, priceless memories and experiences with some great people and some down times, too, that were pretty painful and really forced me to toughen up. But uh, from Indianapolis, I was there for 17 months um, and then went to Indiana or to Tampa, Florida, mm -hmm. the ABC affiliate there and was covering the Buccaneers and the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Tampa Bay Devil Rays when they were still the Devil Rays. 98 was when I started there. That was their inaugural year in Major League Baseball um, and had some real characters on the team like Jose Canseco and Wade <laughs> Boggs and yeah. just all kinds of names from blasts from the past. Greg Vaughn. I mean, it was a how about Fred McGriff, crime dog, right? Like oh, yeah. Was, I remember Fred McGriff from because I'm from Atlanta. He was our first baseman for a while. Yep. And he was just awesome so some great memories there and a lot of just really cool supportive athletes along the way um tony dungy was the head coach of the buccaneers mm. at that time and he, there's nobody better in sports than tony dungy as a human being much less a coach so some great times there um three years in tampa also at the for the last year started to work at fox sports net florida that was in the regional sports networks were really mm -hmm. blowing up and so I, I left the ABC, was there just part-time, but did the Fox Sports thing and covered all of Central Florida, including University of Florida and yeah. Gainesville. And then the Orlando Magic, Doc Rivers was the head coach and Grant Hill and Tracy McGrady had just been signed. So exciting times there along yeah. with the Bucks and all that where I was able to stay covering them. And then I got an offer to go up to Washington, D.C. in 2001 um, to help launch uh, a regional sports network. It, had, it was going from home team sports for all the D.C. people to yeah, Comcast Sportsnet. Um, yep. Uh, and uh, Comcast Sportsnet in 01 and helped launch that and also covered the Baltimore Ravens, which 01 was the year after they won their first Super Bowl with mm -hmm. Ray Lewis and um, Trent Dilfer and all those guys. So uh, it was a great time there. And I was there for six years, which wow. was the longest by far, longest I'd lived anywhere in my life because of, of being an Army brat, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah six years before I end up leaving for ESPN. I'll say this though, and then I'll shut up, but three years prior in 2004 is when I actually got the call from ESPN to go. And I had been told by 
one person in particular, and I'm looking at his picture just there to my left, uh, Stuart Scott, the yes. late, great Stuart Scott, yes. who uh, was a dear, dear friend of mine. Um, and he told me, listen, you got to be ready to come to ESPN. Like, even if you're ready, you're still going to get eaten up. And I was a young mother. I, I, I had a 19 month old at home and a, I was eight months pregnant with number two. And I knew I wanted more, ended up having three awesome kids. And so I, I actually took a chance and took a chance in myself. And that's something I look back on and like, gosh, that, that was kind of cool that I chose my family knowing that if I wanted to have more kids there, it'd be tougher. Um, at a, on a national level at ESPN or anywhere. Yeah. And so I took a chance and said no. And everybody thought I was crazy um, and said, you know, you're going to be blackballed. They don't need you. You need them. And um, had a third kid and signed for three more years and had a great time covering the Ravens. And um, they called back in 2007. That's it. Well, it's all about God's time, not anybody else's time. Yeah. Now, 16 years at ESPN and I guess, sadly or, sadly, or for whatever reason, that chapter in your book has closed now. Talk to us about this legal uh, episode that you had to go through, because you're someone that believes what you believe in, and you stand on what you believe in, and, and it's just, just absolutely honorable to, to talk with someone with that type of courage and conviction. What was it like to you know, be at this pinnacle, but now have to defend your right to, to, you know, your First Amendment, to speak your, your mind and your stances and positions. It's been a painful 22 months. Um, and this is never the way I dreamt of it ending. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. I, was, I was devastated. That devastated that I had felt forced to make a decision between... Um, the job that I loved, 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 loved to the very last day I was on the air a couple of weeks ago uh, and being true to myself and being okay being myself when everyone else is told that it is okay, um, whether, no matter what it is, right? Whether it's racially or LGBTQIA plus these days, you can be whatever you want un unless you have certain opinions that don't fall in line with certain narratives, I guess. Um, so it devastated me. And, and listen, at the end of the day, um, the reason why I did it to stand up uh, was really so much bigger than me. Yes, I felt like I had been um, mistreated and not allowed to speak freely while all of my peers were able to mm -hmm. um, on so many different levels on ESPN platforms, et cetera. And I did this. I, the controversial comments I made were on a separate podcast on a day off. So I just saw a lot of hypocrisy in that and was pretty devastated by it. But, you know, I continued to be punished for it afterwards, which devastated me as well. Because I'm like, I said, I'm sorry, and I, I did it all, and you're still... I just honestly realize now, which is why I'm able to have the strength, I think, to talk, despite my dream kind of disappearing. Um, and I guess by choice, some would say, because I'm just i the one that decided to, to stand up. Um, this is a lot bigger than me. This is about so many people and the thousands of people who've reached out to me over the last two years since this began, especially the last couple of weeks, by saying, oh my gosh, thank you. You're saying what I think and feel and, and I'm afraid to say. And so please don't stop. Please keep using your platform. Just know that you're helping so many others out there who are afraid. And that's what gets me choked up almost. It makes me emotional to realize that this, I'm just this 11-year-old girl who had this crazy dream that somehow figured it out 
and, and got to the top of my industry, which I believe ESPN has always been the best of the best. Yep. Um, and I've done it. And, and now look, as I found my voice, which is what we preach, especially to young women in a man's world, I found my voice, but it wasn't the voice that anyone wanted, I guess, or certain people wanted. So I just said enough's enough. And um, I really believe that, you know, you can complain about something, but unless you're willing to do something about it, then shut up. Like, I, I don't want to hear it either. I said it to my kids, like, okay, you know, you're going to bitch and moan about it. Or you're going to do something about it. Like, which one is it? So um, then I had to follow my own advice. And I found that I had been being hypocritical and trying to preach to my kids to stand up for what they believe in, in a kind way. Um, and then I wasn't doing it myself out of fear. Yeah. And it was legitimate fear as far as obviously my job security. And we saw where that went um, as well as financially. I'm, I'm, the finances are all on me. Um, I'm divorced and their father's very involved, but it, it's 100% on me financially. And there were some legitimate fears in, in doing this. But I did. I just had to say, like at the end, I relied on my faith. My family is everything. My parents, I talked to them a couple times a day. I have a very small circle of close friends who I consider family and um, my kiddos, of course, and my faith. And I just know it's funny, like right now people say, well, what are you going to do next? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> and I would have loved to have come out of this with a plan. But the timing is what it is. And I was all in on my job to the very last day. I didn't have time to really go figure something else out for when it ended. So now it's faith and it's like, okay. Here we go. I got here against all odds yeah. um, as far as rising in the ranks in my career. So I feel like I, I can't stop now and I won't stop now. So we'll see what's next. But I I just please know that I this is bigger than me. And I know that I'm speaking for a lot of other people that has nothing to do with my opinions. Nothing it doesn't matter what I said or didn't say or how I said it. it's about everyone having that right to have their opinion and to not be canceled for it. So I have a lot of work to do, and I hope others will join me, but we have to stop this. Well, first and foremost, we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, that's so uh, important. And, you know, as it says in the Bible, perfect love casts out all fear. So if you have God's perfect love, you, you don't have any reason to be fearful. But just for the sake of those that are watching our conversation that don't know the stance that you took and what you said, can you just remind them about what you did? I was just on a podcast with a former NFL quarterback, Jay Cutler, who used to be the quarterback for the Bears mm -hmm. for many, many years. And he just asked my thoughts on uh, women in sports uh, re reporters and kind of um, how much we've progressed in the industry and things that I think women still need to be accountable for while men need to continue to be better. We can f do better in some ways, too. I spoke about this is in an order. I spoke about um, uh, being biracial which is something I'm very, very, very proud of mm -hmm. and um, relate a story from nine years ago when I was on The View that when Barbara Walters asked, she was upset with the fact that I didn't say I was black, that I said biracial and that we got into it a little bit with that. Um, and I will always be proud of my entire family and my white half Irish, half Italian mother, beautiful mother and my beautiful African-American father. And I feel like I have the best of both worlds. And she thought I should have said black, not biracial. And I went into my reasons why and explained that on the podcast and people didn't like that. And then I went into uh, about the vaccine mandate and said, I don't I respect everybody's opinions on the vaccine and you do you, everybody get what they want. But for me, I didn't like being forced to do something to my body that in my mind, we hadn't done enough research on yet. 
but I also complied and I had taken the vaccine in order to maintain my job. I was told, you know, we all were told that you had to have the vaccine to keep your job. So I gave my opinion on it while complying and all those three things combined, but especially the vaccine uh, mandate comments um, got me in trouble. Well, you know, I will tell you that no one knows our bodies better than we do. And I think that we're the first line of defense for uh, our health and our health care. And I don't like it when you're told to inject something into your body. Uh, I think that there are many other different protocols. Look, I, I had COVID. Uh, I had, did not get a shot, did not have any boosters or anything, but I take different protocols and, and I'm fine. I still woke up this morning and knocked out about three and a half, four miles on a run. And, you know, I'm 62 and I, I feel great. So wow. I think it's important that we are a able to express ourselves. That's why we have the First Amendment right of free speech and free freedom of expression. Uh, as we get ready to close, I want to ask you this. What do you think the challenges we see, and I remember Title IX. I remember the fight for Title IX. And as I told you earlier, I went to University of Tennessee and Pat Summit, you know, what she meant to women's college basketball. All of this stuff about, you know, all of a sudden putting, you know, males, biological males competing against females. You've been covering sports. Where does this end? I mean, what are we doing? Why can't we support women's sports and athletics like we did all those years ago fighting for Title IX? I don't know what the heck has happened. I just I just do not understand. All I know is that for the people who've been preaching about science for the last three years, <laughs> um, we have some pretty definitive science that has never been questioned until now with the differences between men and women. Yeah. And the fact that people won't even answer the question, what is a woman, is very telling. This is so simple. There are two genders, boys and girls, men and women, male, female, and that's it. Yeah. And there are distinct advantages that men have physically uh, over women in sports, especially certain sports. I mean, do we need to talk about football and ba- basketball? All, all of them. There's a reason why um, there are separate sports and there are beautiful reasons why. And um, my goodness, all of the work that's been done through the years with Title IX since 1972 by some of the greatest female athletes you'll ever, ever see, that that there will never be any that walk this earth, I believe, like Serena Williams, you know, and Mm -hmm. all of these women who have just changed the entire sports, changed many things culturally. Where are these women? Where Uh -uh. are, and by the way, so many men who've been so supportive of Title IX on so many levels at networks like ESPN um, and across the country. I am just blown away that everybody's so silent for something that they all know is ridiculous. Um, I don't know what the line is. I don't know where it's drawn, but right now that line is kind of fuzzy. Um, and when you keep moving the goalposts like that, it's dangerous. We have seen some instances of young women being hurt mm-hmm. while playing sports where there's been um, men, boys allowed in to play, volleyball courts, wow. et cetera. Um, and I just think it's completely unacceptable. I was telling a friend earlier, I am so glad that my two daughters are no longer of the age to compete, you know, real competitive sports. One's a senior in high school, the other one's a junior in college. Um because if they were young and that was happening at their high school or in their little rec league, my butt would be out there <laughs> <laughs> making some noise and there would be, no, that, it just wouldn't happen. I'm just sad that it's even a thing. Yeah. And I'm most sad that so many people 
are for whatever reason, especially women, especially women in broadcasting who have been so adamant about allowing us in, right? And the men who've been out there so supportive of women and Title IX that they're choosing to be silent. I, listen, I understand that it's scary to speak up. I'm the poster child for kind of what happens when you're really open and honest and speak up and are true to yourselves. This isn't even controversial. This shouldn't even be an issue. It shouldn't even be a topic. It shouldn't even be a thing. And until, to answer your question, until people decide to speak up and be honest about what this is. And all of a sudden, some of these athletes waiting until they're retiring to say, oh, no, it's fine. Female athletes, Megan Rapinoe saying, oh, no, it's fine. Transgender, which are biological men, should be allowed to play against women. Stop it. This yeah. is wrong. And this is not fair to the young, the other women who want to be the next Megan Rapinoe, who want to be the next fill in the blank. And I, I just don't understand why. But at this point, the why doesn't matter. It's what are we going to do to stop it and fix it? And that's the only way it happens is that people band together because especially women, we don't know our strength. We don't. And I think we're not appreciating how far we've come. And so then if we don't say something, I honestly feel like we have blood on our hands. Like we cannot afford yeah. to do this for our young women on any level, on any level. And it's it's just past time. Let's go. Let's do it. You know, it's interesting because uh, Sunday I was watching the uh, 50 year celebration of Billie Jean King and the Women's Tennis Association and everything. And I'm just thinking, Okay, so in 50 years, we've gone from, you know, promoting, you know, women's tennis to now any knucklehead that can say that I'm a, I'm a female and I guess they can step out on the tennis court. So to me, but that's only in the last two years or so that it's, it's yeah. gone here, right? We, yes. we weren't even talking about this until a couple of years ago. If, yeah. I feel like even in the last year, it's just taken on to another level. So what the heck is it? Absurdity. Uh, either way, it's not okay. No, it's not. It's absurdity and uh, it's undermining, like you say, the science, but it's undermining God's order. But, I, you know, I'll close on this. You say that you don't know what your next plan is. I, I just had a great idea. I just had a little epiphany. I think Brian Gumbel is getting a little old. I think that Real Sports on HBO, y'all need a new host, Real Sports. And, and I think that I'm talking to the next host of Real Sports on HBO, Sage Steele. Uh, yeah. And, and she's got. I love Brian. See? And he's, he, Brian Gumbel is so uber talented. I mean, he's a legend in the industry. One of the things I've learned, I'm not sure how many networks want me right now. Like, I think they ever, they want to keep everybody in their little box. I don't, I don't know how welcomed I'd be at any network right now, but um, it's okay. Nah. I'll figure it out. And it'll be their loss, right? I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. It, it will be your loss, HBO. And, and if HBO, Showtime, you need to be thinking about this. This is the Come person. Come on, right? This is the person that needs to be out there. Sage Steele, thank you for your courage. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for your character. And thank you for standing up and speaking out. And uh, I always share with people, I have a T-shirt that says, stand and fight or run and die tired. So thank God that you did not run. You stood and you fought. And there's going to be an incredible blessings that will open up for you. And it was a blessing to have you on the Steadfast and Loyal program. Well, listen, it means a lot to me. And you know this. I was raised by a soldier. And I'm talking to a soldier. So that's why, to me, I'm, I am nothing. But I was taught that whatever it is within you, you have to. If you think you can help others, it's the harder right instead of the easier wrong, which that's goes it. back to the West Point cadet prayer. And so I, a daughter of a soldier, I'm talking to one here. I thank you for leading the way to show me the right way. And right. thank you for your service. It's an honor to meet you and I can't wait to, to see you in person. All right, it's coming, Army Strong. <laughs> but again, 
Not if your daughter goes to Alabama. We got to have a talk about this going out. <laughs> I mean, this is this is big orange country here. I don't know. Tuscaloosa is a tempting little town. I, you might there, have to talk to her. <laughs> there is nothing like being on in Nayland Stadium on the Tennessee River at the the in the Smoky Mountains in fall. Just case closed. Okay. I, I'm waiting for our invitation then. It's, I just gave it to you. I'll I'll okay. figure out the rest. All right, Sage. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Steadfast and Lower program. Special thanks to Sage Steele for taking time out of her schedule to be with us. And as always, if you like this program, please click the like button, share it with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.